Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey, believers. Uh, before I say anything, I want to thank you for the incredible outpouring of prayers. It's been amazing. I can feel them work for the outpouring of cards, for the outpouring of well wishes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's a big part of the healing process. And uh, just give you guys uh, my first time back since I had a stroke about three weeks ago. Um, give you a progress report. Um, I, my therapist think that I'll be ready by the first weekend in August to be back here. I s sit with a neurosurgeon, uh, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. He's gonna rescan my brain and then give me the green light, tell me what he thinks. But progress is going really, really well. Uh, they don't feel that I'm ready to do three services and greet in the lobbies and that type of thing until uh, August, the first weekend. But uh, I'm doing great and I'm excited about uh, studying in the month of July and getting ready for August and September. So keep me in your prayers. I really, really appreciate it. And then of course, I wanna say happy Father's Day to all the fathers and boardmen, uh, traditional and here in Warren, happy Father's Day to all of you online. And thank you for being the spiritual leaders of your households. So I had to think, who would I want to come and minister on Father's Day, and the first person that came along, not that he, not that there aren't other great people, was Pastor Everett Whiteside. We had him in recently, but when I think of a dad, uh, spiritual or uh, natural, I think of Pastor Everett, and uh, it was so powerful. Uh, we, we contacted him, and uh, he said he turned down two offers, and he just didn't know why, but in here he felt like I have to turn these down, and then we contacted him, and he said that's why. So. Uh, it is my pleasure to introduce you, my dear friend, incredible father. He's going to continue with the color purple in our series. Let's give it up for Pastor Everett Whiteside. Good morning. Didn't Brother Joe look good? Amen. Amen. Um, wow. Um, first of all, to uh, those who are watching online, Boardman Campus, those of you who are here, welcome. And um, it's an honor to be here, but I have to be transparent. I would rather be any place than this stage today, given the circumstances. I would rather that Brother Joe was here ministering the word of God to you all. I love you, but under the circumstances, I would rather be someplace else and that he would be here. That's just my sentiment. Um, it's always good to be with you. As he said, I'm going to continue I'm talking about the color purple um, and just allowing God to have his way this morning. Uh, the color purple in time, and when I say time, I'm talking about the abstract of things that we live in, not eternity. We are eternal beings living in time. And in time, we, we say that purple is a secondary color and it's made of a blue and red. But there are no secondary anythings in eternity. Did you know that? There's only primary things in eternity. You're not a secondary citizen, you're a primary citizen of the kingdom. So, and you know, you get the color purple from mixing blue and uh, red, the heavenly and the human. And in, in the kingdom, the color purple represents royalty, um, prosperity, wealth, prominence, but it also represents 
transformation, courage, and freedom. Those are three things that it also represents, transformation, courage, and freedom. And um, so what I'm going to do this morning, I'm going to expand our capacity. Happy Father's Day. Let me backtrack. Happy Father's Day to all of the fathers, spiritual and natural, and fathers-to-be. Um, let me just say this real quick about fathers. I learned early on that the father is the first God that any child will see. Hello. So that if fathers are absent, you sow seeds in your children that God is absent. If you are cruel, you are so seeds that God is cruel. So as fathers, we have to be very careful of the image that we put and project before our children. Amen? Hello. Come on, fathers. Amen. We've all screwed up. Let's, let's get it. Matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, this is a place where uh, no, no perfect people are allowed. So we've all messed up. Amen? We've all messed up and we thank God for grace. But the reality is we have to begin to take our active roles as fathers more serious. We're bearing an image, a glorious image in the earth realm. So again, happy Father's Day to all of the fathers. I'm here to probably share a few moments with you about uh, identity. I want to talk to you about identity on this Father's Day. Um, I think identity is important. Um, it's one of the uh, factors that shape us and who we are. I recall when I was young, uh, there were adults that told me, you can be anybody you want to be when you grow up. Well, that's identity theft. Uh, you got to be careful that. You can't just be anybody. You got to be who God has created you, you know, because you got people right now, identity right now, especially in our nation, it's being threatened, it's being stolen, it's being lost. You have people who are attempting to change who they are, who they were created to be um, in, in exchange for who they want to be. But identity is very sensitive. If you don't know who you are, it would affect everything about you. And that's a fact. So I want to talk to you about the impact and the power of identity, especially seeing that it's Father's Day. Um, as children, we bear the uh, image of our fathers, both naturally and spiritually. But in the context of what I'm talking about, I'm talking about spiritual identity. Spiritual identity. <sighs> wow. Um, last time I was here, we talked about the uh, spiritual training modules. Spiritual training modules and how everything matters in life. And I just want to uh, digress just a little bit. Pastor Joe had just experienced a training module in his body. And I guarantee you, you better hear me, by the word of the Lord, he's going to come back with a different perspective about all of life. Amen. <laughs> That's what training modules do. They change your perspective. So our brother's coming back with a clarity I mean, that's going to blow us away. That's how come I can't wait for him to come back to this stage and begin to express this newfound revelation of God. So identity, say identity. identity. We get identity from every place. Everybody's trying to label us. Everybody's trying to tell us who we are, who we should be. And from the time that we were born, we were, our identity was being um, challenged with this thing called expectation. From the time we was conceived, expectations was put upon us. I want a boy. I want a girl. He's going to be a doctor. She's going to be an attorney. All of the, he's going to be a great football player, basketball player. 
Nobody says my son is going to be the best janitor he could be or a glorious bus driver. So we live with these expectations and these labels that are put and projected on us. And some are unfair. And it causes us to begin to question, can we live up to the expectancy of the expectations that was put on us? So I think it's important that we understand the impact and the power of identity, spiritual identity, spiritual identity. So there's a scripture in um, Matthew 3. Matthew 3, I'm going to get my glasses. Where are my glasses at? Matthew 3. It says this. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the waters. And lo, the heavens were open unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending. He being John, saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. This is at the beginning of Jesus's ministry. At this particular time, Jesus had done nothing but been, uh, been baptized by John, according to scriptures. Now, we do have the life of Jesus as a young man, just a snippet of it in Luke 2. But here, all he's done was obey his father and getting baptized. But yet this voice comes from heaven, affirming who he was, not based upon what he did. Affirming who he was, not based on what he did. Now let's go to Matthew 17. And then I'm going to give you my first point. It's going to be a short day today. <laughs> it's going to be a short day today. But it's going to be a lasting impact. See, Joe has dropped me in training modules when I come here. <laughs> I'm a prophetic guy. Listen, um... I go hours sometimes in services, but Joe is training me <laughs> by inviting me. Chill out, Everett. 30 minutes. <laughs> I love him for it. I love him for it. 17, Matthew 17, 1 through 5. And after six days, Jesus, taking Peter, James, and John, his brother, and brought them up into a high mountain apart and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elias taking with him, talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you will, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved son. We heard this before. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. So you have this voice speaking at the beginning of ministry and at the end of ministry. And my first point is this you can't earn your identity. You can't earn identity. There is nothing you and I can do to earn our identity in Christ. We simply acknowledge it and accept it as our own. Amen. Jesus did the work. Yes. Amen? Yes. So I know a lot of us struggle because we're always trying to earn acceptance. It's, it's amazing as I've walked this thing out how many believers that I meet who've been in this thing for a number of years still struggle with identity? They're still trying to earn it. 
They're like these little lizards they call chameleons. You know what a chameleon is, right? It's that little lizard, and it's about 200 species of chameleons. And um, they, 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 they have no defense mechanism but camouflage. So they change their appearance to blend in with their environment. And how many of us as believers change who we are to try to blend in where we are? We were called to stand out. We were called to be different. Amen? Amen. Listen, if you're comfortable fitting in, I don't know what kingdom you're a part of. We're peculiar. We're strange. (laughs) Nobody wants to accept that. But that's what our father said about us. You are some strange people because we serve a mysterious, strange God. Oh, come on. That's not a put down. That's a lift up. Dare to be different. You know, when we was talking about, I've been watching some of the videos about living life in color, and it's exciting because I'm partially colorblind. I dress by faith every time I put something on. <laughs> I do. I go through the clothing store, be matching up stuff, and say, mm, that don't look right. And I keep matching up to I say, okay, that, that may be okay. Remember the first time I took my wife shopping, she says, babe, are you okay? I had some browns and greens that I couldn't tell the difference. I said, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. She said, are you colorblind? I said, partially, partially. My eyes are, I'm not. I'm whole, but my eyes are partially colorblind. So our identity, we cannot earn it. We have to acknowledge it and accept who we are in him. And that takes courage. In society, that takes courage to be who you are in Christ. To stand out when everybody else is standing in. To swim upstream when everybody else is going with the flow. That's who we are as sons and daughters. We're talking about celebrating Father's Day. When the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. What did he say? Our Father. Wow. He spoke that to 12 distinct individuals with different personalities and hues and all of these things. And yet he says, I'm your father. I'm your father, which means that we're his sons and daughters. Oh, that's why it's wrong for Christians to suffer with low (laughs) self-esteem. My daddy, our father, here's a secret, is the creator of all the universe. He doesn't struggle with anything. He has no needs of anything and or anyone. He's omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent all at the same time. That's dad. That's my dad. Oh, that makes me stick my chest out. It does. Listen, I often remind myself who I am in him. Because there are times when life has a tendency to try to whisper in your ear that you're not all that. And in and of myself, I'm not. But in my father's house, I'm all that and a bag of chips. And so are you. And so are you. So you can't earn this identity. You just have to acknowledge it and receive it. And sometimes that can be challenging because we base our 
reception on performance. One of the things that I did, I stumbled into this truth, Sister Gina, when, I was, when we had our, our, our kids. I would always say, I'm proud of you. Always. I'm proud of you. Proud of you. And when my daughter started getting older, she started questioning, why? Why? What did I do? I said, you've done nothing. Because I was trying to establish a track record with them that you can't earn my approval and acceptance. It is granted to you because you came out of my loins. Amen. Hello. Amen. We're quick to tell our children when they mess up. But you, I put more in the love tank than I can ever withdraw. Yes. And that's a principle. I don't have it up here, but that's a principle. Amen. Build them up. Put more in people than what you withdraw so you will never have insufficient funds in them. Do you understand what I'm saying when I say that? I give people compliments and I build them up so that if I ever have to make a withdrawal, I don't deplete them. And then I leave them with the deposit. I do that with all the people that I ever meet. I deposit, withdraw, deposit. <laughs> That's a father principle. That just came to me, but that's what we've been practicing in my home. Watch this. Let's go to the next scripture. So the first point is identity can't be earned. Matthew 16, 13 and 20. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? That's a question of identity. Who do people say that I am? That's a loaded question. Who do men say, who do the people in the community say that I am? Now, you have to be very careful when Jesus asks questions. He's not looking for the answer because he already knows the answer. He's trying to draw us into a place of intimacy. So watch what they begin to say. Wow. They reply, some say John the Baptist, Johnny. They're talking about your Johnny around the community. They want to say you're Johnny and that you came back from the dead. They replied and said, some John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others say you're Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, this is Simon Peter. <laughs> we, we, you know what we get? We give our brothers and sisters in the scriptures biblical labels that they don't deserve. Listen, Peter, Peter was boisterous, but... Listen, um, he was who he was. And Jesus brought him into the fold. Amen. So he wasn't some big mouth Peter. He was just an extrovert. He liked to talk. That's why I'm defending Peter. <laughs> I can be like that. Listen, and Jesus loves Peter. <laughs> Listen, Peter stands up and he says something. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Wow. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my father in heaven. Amen. The second point is that your identity has nothing to do with your carnality or your humanity. Uh-oh. He says, flesh and blood 
cannot reveal your identity, not your true identity. That has to come from the origin of all identity, which is in the realm of the spirit. So I'm not Everett Whiteside. I almost said my middle name. I don't tell people my middle name. I'm not just the husband of Cassandra and the father of Timothy, Elijah, and Breon. That's my human posture. But who I truly am is a son of God functioning in those places. Hello. You're not what you do carnally. Whatever... I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer. Mm, well, you a son or a daughter functioning as a doctor or a lawyer Amen. or a banker or a mechanic or a cosmetologist. Amen. Who you are is very important because it will begin to draw you away from all of these other labels that we give ourselves. Yes. Uh-oh, I might as well step in some murky water. I'm not a Republican or a Democrat or independent. I'm a son of God. Amen. Hello. Amen. Oh, come on. Come on. Wake up. I know you want to hold on to identities, but none of those carnal identities will get you into your eternal position with Abba. Amen. He cares nothing about carnality. Amen. Our identities are revealed in the realm of the spirit. And there is no greater identity than being sons and daughters of God. None. That remains consistent no matter where we are or what we do. We will do a lot of things in life. I, can't, I was at a congregational church last Sunday. And they called me something else. They identified me as being something else. It doesn't wreck me because I know who I am. If you were to call me some wild animal, a dog or a cat, I wouldn't run to the mirror to try to see what I look like. I know who I am. And my identity does not come from how you see me or how I see you. You must be secure that you have received your identity from a heavenly realm. That God has said, this is my son and my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. So when I discuss other people, God still loves me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah. Listen, it's, it's impossible for us to live this life and not offend anybody. No. Sometimes my confidence offends people. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to dumb down who I am to make you feel good about who you have yet to discover. Amen. I want you to feel good too. That's why I travel and every person I see, I call a man or woman of God. Yes. When I first meet people, whether they're saved or not, let me get you a secret. When I witness to my waitresses and waiters, this is what I tell them. Aren't you so, I know your father. You know my, you know, you know my father? Yeah, yeah, I know your father. And he's madly in love with you. How you know my dad? Oh, he's well known. And the curiosity draws him in. The hook has been set. And I tell him, God is your father. 
Well, I don't believe in God. That's okay. He believes more in you than you will ever believe in him. Uh-oh. God believes in us as his children more than we'll ever believe in him. Because that's what Abba does. He sees the potential of us and he calls that which is not as though it was. And he speaks to us identity, drawing us into our function. Y'all okay? So identity is revealed not of flesh and blood, but it's an eternal uh, thing that reveals our identity. I love to call him Abba. I do. I ascribe all of the other names and titles, but you know what? Father is the one that I'm really intimate with. Because when I can't, wow. When you can't find acceptance any place, you can always go home to him. Amen? They say that open arms, hands raised, open arms. Abba will not reject us. He will not reject us. Let's go to Luke 15. Our eth- Listen, our ethnicities, these are earth suits that we live in. It's not who we are. I live in this suit. And I, uh, I've run into Christians and say, you know, I'm colorblind. And I don't see color when they're dealing with ethnic issues. That sounds it don't even sound good. It sounds quirky. Makes me very uncomfortable. Because this means that you can't identify what you're looking at. I know what you mean, but I don't want to walk around. Brother Joe showed a video, if I'm not mistaken, of a kid who was colorblind. And they put the glasses on him. Yeah. Y'all remember that video? Yeah. And he saw color for the first time and he broke down and cried. How dare we live life and not recognize the hues that God has put us in. As I travel, I see the diversity in the body of Christ. And I celebrate it that we don't all look alike. That our peculiarity is what God loves about us. No two children are alike. (laughs) Some of us have long hair, some of us buy hair. That used to be a thing. You got you long hair. Well, you can go buy some hair now. We all can have long hair for the right price. But the peculiarity is what our father celebrates. And that's something that we have not learned to do in the family of God. We're uncomfortable when our siblings sit next to us and they're not like us. That's an opportunity for us to grow and to expand in family consciousness. So in Luke 15, we got this beautiful, beautiful parable. And um, I, I, I know it's a parable, but I think it's, it's, it's more than just a parable. It says this. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, not two children, but two sons, two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. He was a son, got an inheritance, and then went off to do life. Hello. That's like most of us. We want to do life on our own. God, you've blessed me. I got it from here. Peace out. 
I'll see you when I need you again. And God doesn't trip on it because he's the one that knows where you're going and what you're going to do with what he gave you. If he's omniscient, hello. See, God doesn't wake up and says, oh, me. Oh, my me. He's not shocked by what we do. Oh, my me. It's not God's, that's not God's response. He already knows. Amen? And he loves you enough to let you take your journey. Watch this. That's what I love about it. Not many days later, the son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. There began to squander his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and began to be in need. Wow. He never factored in a famine. That'll preach someday, somewhere. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. Now remember, he's a son, but now he hires himself out as a slave because his environment is challenging his identity. He left a son, squandered everything that he had, and possibly he thought that what he had made him a son. But when it was gone, his identity was lost. Wow. I watch people in the body of Christ when they retire, they don't know who they are. They sit and try to find out who they are. And it breaks my heart because they were what they did and not who he said they were. Yeah. So this young kid went and hired himself out as a servant. Watch this. To a citizen of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He didn't know him as a son. He knew him as a slave. So he sent a son out to do slave work. And the son had no better sense at that time than to take what was handed to him because he had lost his identity as well. And then he was longing, he sent him into the fields to feed pigs. Wow. He was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. No one gave him, and that sounds cruel, doesn't it? That nobody was there to help him. How many of you know that God will put you in situations that nobody can help you so that you can come back to your senses and know who you are? How come they're not helping me? Because God has restrained help because you've lost your way. And yet we get mad at people because they didn't help us. This young man's in this pig pen was denied assistance to the point that he was ready to eat what the pigs ate, which means he thought he was a hog. But in a moment, he came to his senses. Praise be to God. (laughs) That he looked across, this is my vain, I mean, this is my holy imagination. He looked across at the pig No. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. That can't be me. That can't be me. There's no way that that's the image that I bear. Although he's got a handful of husk or pods ready to put them in his mouth because he's hungry. 
But in that moment, he came to a census and listen to what he said. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my fathers? He's starting to regain identity. How many of my father's hired servants, he's not quite there yet, have more than enough bread, that I, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He had that jacked up mentality that he had to earn sonship. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Why? Because I've wasted everything that you gave me. I went against our family creed and code. I blew it, Dad. And why don't you make me like one of the highest servants? Now, here's the, the, the kicker for me. In the account, while the son is rehearsing this, and all the way home, I can just imagine, he, you, know, you, know, you, know, you know how you would get in trouble, right? You, you make up your story in your mind. And before you get to that person, you, you keep going over the rehearsal of the story. I will say to my father, Father, I've sinned against you. No, I won't say that. Father, I've sinned against you. No, wait, wait. Father, he's rehearsing it because he wants to find acceptance again. So he's playing this over. And when his father sees him, the father runs and embraces him. And then the script comes out of the son. He began to rehearse all that he says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and you, and I'm no longer to be called your son. Make me, the Father's not even listening. That's God. Not even listening to our confession that's trying to demote us from our sonhood or daughterhood. He already knows that you messed it up. He knew that you were going to mess up when he gave you the stuff. The son wasn't as prodigal as the father. The father, prodigal means lavishing. The father lavished on his son. The son wasted what was lavished upon him. That's one of the definitions for prodigal, lavish. Not necessarily wasteful, but lavish. And God is always pouring out on us more than we can handle sometimes and or deserve. But yet the father knows and he's always drawing us back to identity. So when this son came to himself, here is the third point. Your identity, your identity will determine your choices or your decisions. When you know who you are, it would affect every area of your life. Hello. Amen. I can't tell you how many times I talk to myself and say, Everett, that's not you. When I'm faced with some challenges, every, that's not you. Last night I was. My wife is down in Columbus, and I got to leave this evening and go to Columbus, and uh, 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 something came. I said, oh, no, Ever, that's not you. That's not you. I remind myself who I am because who I am will begin, begin to impact all of my decisions. Hello. Amen. A screwdriver is a screwdriver. Now, you can use a butter knife as a screwdriver. How many of you ever used a butter knife as a screwdriver? Yep. How many know that that was not a screwdriver? But yet it served your purpose, right? But the butter knife is for cutting butter 
and the screwdriver is for screwing in and screwing out screws. But many times in life, we function outside of our identities. And we do things that are not us. Give me the last scripture. This is in Peter. This is in Peter. First Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race. <laughs> Say I'm chosen. Yeah, cho- listen, chosen. Didn't have to earn it. All I have to do is acknowledge it and receive it. I'm a chosen race or ethnic group. A royal priest to the holy nation. Say holy nation. We're royalty. When the last time you thought yourself as a priest? See, that's not, that's not confined to Catholicism or one of the other denominations that look at priests. We're a royal priesthood. We're that color purple. We have been laced and ordained, adorned with purple. We're that royal priest. We're a holy nation. Say holy nation. How many know he's not talking about America or China or Pakistan or Kyrgyzstan? Nigeria? South Africa? He's not talking. What is he? He's talking about us. The ecclesia. We're the holy nation. Oh my, wake up. Wake up. We're the holy nation. And here is a kicker. We're in every nation on the planet. Did you know that? We got siblings in China. So be careful how you pray about China. We got folks over there, family members. We got family members in Russia. And Ukraine. They're believers in both places. Right? Oh, come on, you all. Come on, we're the holy nation. We're the royal priesthood. We're that peculiar treasure. And our Father has invited us into his family. So may you never doubt who you are. May you walk out of this place with confidence of who you are in God. Not earning it, but receiving it, acknowledging it. Allow it to determine your decisions. That's what the Father says about us. Amen? Amen. Listen, for those of us who are here and possibly online, I would be remiss if I did not extend an invitation that our Father extended to us about becoming a part of the family. We can't earn it. Jesus paid for it. And for those of you who may be watching who've never in this place, who've never made a decision for Jesus Christ, Jesus came to the earth sent by the Father to pay for the sins of the entire world. What sins? The ones past, the present, and the future. This is not something that you can earn. You have to receive it and acknowledge it. I'm so thankful that the Father did not depend on my merit because I would never be good enough. You would never be good enough. You could never earn this, but it's been granted to you. So I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. And for those of you who aren't online, listen, do the same. Because the Spirit of God is where you are, just like he's here. And I just want to pray this prayer. And if you have never prayed it, I want you to pray it with me. Lord Jesus. 
thank you for coming to the earth and paying a debt that I could not pay. Thank you for dying for my sins on the cross that I might have this right to life to become a part of the family of God. Holy Spirit, come and dwell inside of me. Live in me. Fill me. Lead me. Guide me. I desire and I receive my rightful place in the family of God. Amen, amen, amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc slash give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.